Hush Little Children, you'll soon understand, or you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. A little bit of trivia. Bob obviously would have known this going into it, but I just learned it. I Want to Hold Your Hand by The Beatles, recorded October 17th, 1963, released on a 7-inch, 11-29-63, seven days to the date after Kennedy's assassination, which I think is really significant. Uh, And it's not the first of these date kind of coincidences that we're going to get in this um, uh, in this song. And I think it's it's important to establish here and, and worth commenting on because it's going to come back and in fucking bold, bright neon letters uh, at a certain point. I think this moment here, this Kennedy Kennedy assassination, Bob views as this like this event horizon for American yeah. culture, ultimately. And well, that as soon yeah. as this took place, we were through the looking glass into this dimension uh, and an alternate timeline, really, of ultimate kind of doom and misery and hopelessness. Yeah. And the Beatles emerging seven days after uh, Kennedy's assassination. They're coming. They're coming, exactly. And they're going to they're gonna hold your hand. Uh, might have appeared initially as a great, you know, obviously we love the Beatles. Everyone's stoked about them blowing blowing the the lid off the old culture and and you know ringing in this this vibrant new world uh and yet in hindsight uh it, you know they end up taking on this almost kind of sinister quality the way that he threads those two pieces together i don't know what exactly changed for me but i mean maybe it was certain things that grill marcus said but late lately the song has sort of reshaped itself in my mind as i've listened to it and it, when I, I used to think of it as, you know, I was really impressed by it and the, the richness and depth of it. And that was what was so striking. You know, the the gravitas of it was undeniable and obvious. There was so much there. And I think, you know, when we first were hearing it and talking about it, we had some idea that it would be something that would take a long time to grapple with and, and digest it's an unbearably sad song. Like it's a song that, uh, it's a horror story. It's, it's a, it's a tragedy. I mean, saying those things feels like it cheapens it. What, what it is, is it's a song that, I mean, that line and, and many others unexpected lines struck me and really affected me emotionally. Um, uh, the sheer joy and exuberance of, I want to hold your hand. Um, you know, the emotional heights of it. Everybody knows that song and loves it for the the ecstatic and um happy and and hopeful qualities it has. Mm-hmm. The way that he reframes it here um is it's like really heartbreaking. Yeah. It's like a it's it's a it's a shocking kind of way to, to put it across and especially after that previous line, hush little children, you'll soon understand. Shut yeah. up, kids. You're gonna you're gonna understand soon. The Beatles are coming and they're gonna hold your it's just it's it's such an off putting way to describe that and it's got this just thrillingly unexpected note of discordance and and discomfort and just like kind of like queasiness. It's it's brutal because I think that what that line also makes me think of and and you know I think that there's part of it that he's he's talking about the the innocence of you know all the adults everybody just the sort of general culture, but it also reminds you of the the fact that after this happened, every parent in America had to talk to their children and try to tell them what 
was going on and what had happened. We're going to have the talk. That nice man who like you probably are made to draw little crayon pictures of in in school, he was murdered. <laughs> he was murdered in front of everyone. It's a pretty harsh and and just yeah, shocking combination of thoughts that yes. it could be because of that. Um Bad vibes. Slide down the banister, go get your coat. That's another line that totally sticks with me. Yeah. Because it's so it's like a Frank Capra movie. It's like so like it's like the that's such a early twentieth century uh image. But it's it's this black and white cinematic like life with father, like this sort of like quaint, innocent nineteen hundreds like uh magnificent ambersons type of thing totally yeah um, this song is obsessed with like the first two three decades of the 20th century there's no question about that and that line's a perfect explanation of that yeah. there's also so many like references that are built into every one of these lines and this is one of the few that like there isn't as far as i can tell at least um and actually looking at it next to the following line slide down the banister go get your throat ferry cross the mersey and go for the throat I, have you seen jfk oliver stone's jfk I haven't. Uh, this move, this song is obsessed with that fucking song. Um, and with that movie, you mean? With, excuse me, with the movie, yeah. Guy Bannister and uh, David Ferry, uh, two of the, <laughs> the, the um, leading characters uh, that uh, Kevin Cosner gets involved in or kind of goes after uh, in this song. There, that, yeah, there are other instances in, in which that comes up, but Bob has clearly been uh, huffing, huffing the Oliver Stone uh, cush uh, going into the writing of this. Um, there's three, the bums three bums coming all dressed in rags. You know about the three bums, the three tramps. They were arrested near the book depository wow. uh, after the assassination, uh, photographed in the newspaper. Uh, Jim Garrison, the, the Kevin Cosner in Oliver Stone's uh, JFK, uh, alleged that these three supposed tramps uh, were part of the assassination plot and could have potentially been CIA contractors or employees. Uh, later on, the FBI reported that one of the three men, Harold Doyle, was dead within a month. Hmm. The other two were just off, twisting in the wind somewhere. A little bit of Jokerman lore connection here. In 1974, friend of the program, A.J. Weberman, alleged that two of the three tramps were also the Watergate burglars, E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis in his book-length investigation. See, that's one of those. That's one of those things that could make you go insane because it's like the <laughs> thing of, <laughs> you know, it's like for everything AJ Weberman says that makes us um, just uh, just say, hmm? there, there's little things like that which sound almost plausible, and and it's like. God, like, uh, what if he did? What if yeah. some of his true? There's just like a yeah. There's like a two percent chance that he's totally right about. This everything. is how <laughs> all of the great conspiracy uh, theories really get. They dig their nails into everyone into people's minds. It's because it's because of things like this where it's like every once in a while somebody who's like unreliable on some level says something that turns out to be true in a way that nobody could have uh, figured. And then it's just all bets are off. Yeah, it's the it's the monkeys on the tie. A broken clock is right twice a day, sort of thing. And to be clear, it's not. We have no idea if this is actually true that two of these three bums or tramps were also the Watergate burglars. But that just was the contention of sure. friend of the po- program, AJ Weberman. In spirit, that kind of thing is true because the CIA sure. is. Uh, 
It's always mo- up to it's shit like that. Moloch's fucking uh, uh, agency on <laughs> on this mortal coil. 